Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Tuesday, December 19th, 11.02 p.m. My name is Josh Mullinex. On today's pod, the Memphis Tigers keep on rolling a double overtime marathon at the Jumpman Invitational and Big East Play is underway. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Not a great start to Big East play for the number six Marquette Golden Eagles. If I am correct in my quick glance at last year's Kim Palm page, uh, the Golden Eagles, they eclipsed 60 points in all of their conference games last year. Uh, in game one at Providence, it's a 72-57 loss for Shaka Smart's team. They shoot 32% from the field, four of 20 from the three-point line, and Cam Jones fouled more three-point shooters than three-pointers. He made not a great night for Shaka Smart's team. And the last one was Bryce Hopkins. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it was so on Marquette, like from the bad decision making, both turnovers and following three point shooters consistently, to mm-hmm. the lack of cohesion offensively. Defensively, they weren't particularly good. And Providence just made him pay. For whatever reason, Marquette cannot figure out this matchup. <laughs> it just seems like Providence always gives them trouble. I think that's now 45 of 48 wins at home for Providence, something like that they said in the broadcast. And that new guy on the sideline knows how to coach. We've been saying that from day one. Not that anybody disagreed with that, mm-hmm. considering Kim English's trajectory and where he's already at in his coaching career. But that's a that's a good team that's had a good start to the season. And you got to show up to win in that building, and Marquette did. That's that's a very true statement. It's a really tough place to play. And I said to you in text earlier tonight, you know, I didn't expect Marquette to look like they only had one guy on the floor that was really ready for Big East play, and that was Tyler Colick. And you said, oh, it's a tough place to play. And, and you're absolutely right. It's a very tough place to play. And if you're not locked in for Big East play, if you're not ready, then starting on the road at Providence is about the worst place that you can start. If you're not totally prepared mentally for, for what you're getting on the road in the big East. And, and they just didn't, they didn't communicate that. Like I said, Tyler Kolick, 21.7 to 15 from the field had nine rebounds, five assists to three turnovers. The only other golden Eagle with more than two field goals was Cam Jones. He was only five of 14 though. So not only was it, you know, the, the, the peripheral offensive contributions that you usually see from Marquette and that, that pretty balanced attack also wasn't there. Uh, And when that's not there and Providence, um, has a decent night from the field, makes 11 three-pointers, you're probably not going to beat them very many times in their own building. No. And the big takeaway for me here is something we discussed in a different context earlier in the season. 
And I was thinking about this this morning reading, I believe it was friend of the pod, CJ Moore, who wrote the profile and also a Guitaro for the athletic. You and I are as big as Tyler Kolig fans as anybody outside of the people who actually know and care about him. Mm. Huge Tyler Kolig fan. Also, Guitaro is the most important player on that team. For their offense to work the way that it does and to be a top five offense in the country, it has to run through him. It has to be him and Kolik in the pick and roll. I think there were two of them in this game where Iguodaro got dunks. But every time Kolik was going right, they didn't get anything out of it. There were only three or four instances where he went, oh, that's what Marquette's supposed to look like, where Kolik actually got into the lane, made something happen. It mm-hmm. was so much one-on-one from Kolik and Iguodaro, and Kolik can can do that. He had a good game, like you said. He's you know got over 20 points. He can get his buckets when he needs to. But if Iguodaro gets in foul trouble, if he doesn't get show, if he doesn't show up and he gets taken out of a game like this, it's not just him. It's also the way their offense flows. And the other problem is especially when Stevie Mitchell isn't available, mm-hmm. they don't have other guys who are going to go get 15 or 20 points outside of Cam Jones and Tyler Cook, which is normally fine. But it's not fine when you're playing Providence, who has four guys because Ticket Gaines hit more threes by himself in the first half than Marquette did. And Devin Carter then took over in the second half. And Josh Oduro was good. And of course you have Bryce Hopkins, who wasn't even particularly impactful in this game, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Providence has depth. Marquette has a bunch of guys who fit into their roles really well, but I'm just not. If Iguodaro isn't dominant and isn't impactful, I don't know how they compensate for that against other really good teams that have guards who, on this particular day at least, were able to match what Marquette got out of the backcourt. Jumping way too far ahead, but we might be staring after Providence wins this game. Their next five are Butler, Seton Hall, Creighton, St. John, Xavier, DePaul, Seton Hall, Georgetown. That was way more. I just kept going because the streak was even like we could mess around and see Providence. You know, you're on the road at Creighton. You know, maybe you expect that to be a loss. You're on the road at St. John's, but your other your other away games are DePaul and Seton Hall, and neither one of them have looked particularly awesome. St. John's hasn't looked great either. If you get something similar to what you got from Providence on this particular night, uh, they could, they could, we could be deep into January and Providence being in the conversation for the very tippity top of the big East could be a very real conversation. So very interesting, you know, what they might be able to parlay this into, uh, when they start with a with a win like this, we kept saying we think this conference has four teams. We both thought it was Villanova. Maybe it's Providence. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, Memphis, number twenty three in this week's AP poll, taking on number twenty two Virginia. The Tigers seventy seven fifty four. Um, for those not paying too close attention to Penny Hardaway's squad. The Tigers are now up to 26th at Kempom. They have beat VCU, Texas A&M, Clemson, and now Virginia in their last four games. Virginia coming into this game was a top 30 Kempom team, so that's three straight wins against top 30 Kempom teams going into the game. Virginia now 38th after the loss. 
the Tigers might be for real. And uh, after the new year, after the next semester begins, in theory, they're going to get even better. Yeah. I I made this point before coming out of whichever. Was that Battle for Atlantis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And David Jones was excellent in this game. David Jones was a problem in the Big East. They have collected some guys who could play at the high major level and specifically a trio of guys who have performed at a high level, at the high major level. Mm -hmm. This is an incredibly talented... Now, it's not the first one Penny's had, for not certainly not the first one Memphis has had, but this is an incredibly talented team that should be top 25 based on paper. And they, they're going to have some weird losses probably because that's just kind of how they do things. But they beat They've the already got them. They They've already got weird right, losses. Right. They're already yeah. doing this again. But you line them up with anybody in the country, they got a shot. They have the talent to play with anybody. And David Jones, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, they're certainly better than Virginia when Virginia has this many offensive issues. So, David Jones, last five games, four coming against, against high major opponents, 22 points, 23 points, 29 points, 22 points, and then 26 tonight. He's 37 of 43 from the stripe in that stretch, <laughs> getting to the line over and over and over again. That's a top 20 score in the country right now. 20.3 points per game. He's also grabbing six and a half rebounds. Um, 45% from the field isn't isn't awesome, but also when you're taking 14 shots a game, that's certainly serviceable. His three-point shooting is up from 29.4% on two attempts per game last year to... Sorry, that's free throw. My bad. No, wait, 4.6%. 4.6 attempts per game up to 6.5, and he's bumped up that percentage from 29 to 38.5%. Um, the Tigers have a very real um, primary score that they can go to every night, and he was he was rolling on this particular night. And, and like you said, this is a Virginia team that looks very similar to the ones that are not capable of winning national titles. The one that did is still different, not the same thing. This is a very good defensive team that's going to have nights where they score 54 points uh, against other good basketball teams. It's the fifth time in seven games they scored fewer than 60. They won that's some tough. of them. Not all of them, but some of them been against good teams. Some of them haven't. Mm-hmm. Either they're going to hold you to under 60 or they're probably going to have some issues. And unless they are spectacular defensively, which so far they've been at that level, at mm-hmm. least you could argue that if it slips out for even a little bit, or if you just pick the wrong night and the other team makes shots and makes plays and you just don't have it, this is what's going to happen. The Tigers keep right on rolling 77-54 for the top 25 team there in Memphis. Last but not least, there was a game that went way longer than it probably needed to at the Jumpman Invitational. Florida Gators 106, Michigan 101. 22 points off the bench for Zion Pullen, 21 points in the starting lineup from Tyrese Samuel. That was leading the charge for the Gators. You got 33 points from Doug McBuckets, Doug McDaniel, 33, 8, and 5, but uh, wasn't quite enough for the Wolverines. They fall to 6 and 6 on the year. Yeah. 
there there isn't really too much to discuss here. This is just a game between two teams that are kind of in a similar spot, which means they both really could have used this win. Mm. And they kind of just went back and forth until Florida eventually made the plays to win. The the couple things, I mean, Michigan shot the ball well. It's really disappointing to lose when you shoot that well. But Mm. they got cleaned out on the glass. They got dominated the interior, and that's how Florida made up for the three-point discrepancy. But we've talked about this with Florida before, that they usually just find a way to lose these games. Right? They have these weird, it's one of these 50-50, well, they could win that one, but also you wouldn't be shocked if they lose it. It seems like they come out the wrong end of those more than they should based on their talent. So to mm. get this one is a nice confidence boost because they're already falling into that trend again this season with yep. losing to teams like Wake Forest. And they have two close, like they could pretty easily be not like 10 and one. They lose to Virginia by three. They lose to Baylor by four. Like we're not all that far away from this being a, a really nice resume. And at the same time, you look and you watch them play and you understand, yeah, I can uh, I can see why they have trouble closing games against high major opponents. Yeah, yeah. These are the kind of games that may ultimately determine their NCAA tournament fate. Because they'll win some in the SEC, they'll lose some in the SEC. But it's those swing games that could go either way that get you from 500 to a couple games over 500 and that's probably enough with how good the sec is going to be plus with the fact that they their non-conference has gone fine mm-hmm. they get a win like this yeah Mich- michigan again the defensive issues you it, should never lose a game where you go 10 of 22 from yeah. the three-point line no. and also win the charity strike battle yeah never yeah it, it there were just flaws for both of these teams. It made for good entertainment. I mean, neither of them were going to let the other one. Well, neither of them were going to eliminate the other from this game, essentially. Yeah. Is what yeah. I was going for there. It's like <laughs> I, they were very, very evenly matched, and ultimately somebody had to win, and we just played until we got to that point. Yes, two flawed teams that one team had that their flaws had to shine just a little brighter, and the other team was was going to win anything else on that one before we get out of here no not on that one i do want to say a couple things i'm not worried about marquette i think they're going to be fine i'm not going to overreact to that loss and then the other one uh, iu close call Mm. but notre dame notre dame lost at home by 20 to the citadel the powerhouse, the Citadel. It, Trivia time. Where's the Citadel in that Ken Palm? Oh, geez. 223. Uh, 217. Trivia time part two. Is the Citadel higher or lower than Notre Dame at Ken Palm? Lower, oh. but not by much. They are higher than Notre are Dame really? at Ken Palm. Notre Dame is 226. Now, granted, well, they were 183 coming into the game. That's impressive. Dropping dropping 30 spots at Kempom, 40 spots at Kempom is impressive. I mean, you but losing the Citadel after- at home by 20 will do that right. for you. Can't argue it after that result. I mean, another day we can talk about Mike Shrewsbury's decision to take the Notre Dame job because I do really like him and I think he's a really good coach. There was just a lot of work there to do. It's it's rough in South Bend right now. 
really, really rough. Really, really rough. That's going to do it for the Under 8 Podcast Tuesday, December 19th. It is 11.18 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here, and we will talk to you then.